I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burr, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello and welcome to Q&A, our regular podcast offering from the Hindustan Times. I'm Prashant Jha, the editor, views of the newspaper. On the night of June 15th, the Chinese People's Liberation Army went back on an understanding to disengage from the Galwan Valley in Ladakh and brutally attacked the Indian Army personnel who had gone there to supervise and check on this promised disengagement. 20 personnel of the Indian Army, including a colonel-level officer, was killed. The Indian troops responded, and there have been reports of an unconfirmed number of casualties on the Chinese side. China, true to its opaque traditions, has not officially released the number of deaths or injuries. This incident marks a drastic escalation of the ongoing conflict between India and China at the border. It is also the first time since 1975 that the border has witnessed bloodshed. In this edition of QA, I'd like to look at the big picture of the India China relationship. What has been the framework that has governed this relationship? What are the cooperative elements of the ties? What are the competitive elements of the ties? What happens after this incident? What are India's options, both in the immediate term and in the long term? These are the questions I'll seek to address in this edition of Q&A. To begin with, what is the overall philosophical framework of the India-China relationship? The two countries, of course, fought a war in 1962. After that, relations went in a deep diplomatic freeze. It was in 1988 when Rajiv Gandhi as Prime Minister visited China that a new understanding was arrived at. The border dispute would persist. Both countries would maintain their positions, but they would also have talks on the border. At the same time, they would not allow the border dispute to derail other elements of the relationship and in fact make efforts to deepen them. This has been the broad framework of the relationship so far. What have been the cooperative elements of the relationship? The first is the number of high-level exchanges that take place between the Indian and the Chinese side, including at the highest political level. Prime Minister Narendra Modi has met President Xi Jinping several times. So have his predecessors, Manmohan Singh, Atal Bihari Vajpayee, and those before them, in the way they have traveled to China, interacted with Chinese leaders, and hosted Chinese leaders in India besides meeting them on the sidelines of multilateral summits elsewhere. The second and the most important cooperative element in the relationship is the robust economic partnership that has developed between the two countries. There is thriving trade running into billions, $90 billion is the latest figure. There is close economic interdependence that has developed between India and China. At the same time, what are the competitive elements? 
And these definitely seem to overshadow the cooperative elements. For one, the border dispute has not gone away. Despite multiple rounds of engagement between special representatives on both sides, there remains a dispute between India and China on the perception of the line of actual control as well as on territorial control, be it in Arunachal Pradesh or in Aksai Chin or Ladakh. The second key bone of contention between the two has been the trade deficit. While there is an economic partnership which is robust, it is skewed heavily in favor of China. The third bone of contention is, of course, China's unstinted support to its all-weather friend, Pakistan. This has often meant China supporting the activities of terror, which are sponsored by the Pakistani deep state against India. Last year and the year before that, this was reflected in the way China refused to let Masood Azhar be designated as a global terrorist at the UN. China eventually gave in, but this was a reflection of the ties that it had with the Pakistani deep state. This relationship has in fact deepened with China's investment in the China-Pakistan economic corridor, which is a part of its Belt and Road Initiative. The fourth bone of contention is the increasing political economic interference that China is doing in different countries of South Asia, which have traditionally had close ties with India. This is the situation in Nepal, where we clearly see the Chinese Communist Party and the Chinese government having an extraordinary degree of control over the Nepal Communist Party. This was also witnessed in Sri Lanka, in Maldives in the past. It is in this backdrop that the Galwan incident has taken place. What are India's options now? In the immediate context, India's priority is to restore status quo at the border. This means pushing back Chinese troops beyond the Chinese perception of LAC. This will involve a range of policy tools. India will have to step up its diplomatic effort with China. It will have to ensure that international opinion understands India's point of view and backs India. It also will have to allow its military and its armed forces more autonomy and more space to take actions that they deem as fit to restore status quo ante. Do remember that China is doing this at a time when it is being seen universally as having been non-transparent about the origins of the coronavirus disease. China seems to think that external aggression will deflect from its internal failures. It has been aggressive in the South China Sea, with Japan, with Australia, and now with India. India will have to achieve its immediate priority of restoring status quo in the face of this belligerent China. What is India's long-term goal? India will have to focus on a reset of the relationship with China. This will involve reducing the economic trade and investment ties with China, which seem to be skewed in favor of Beijing. It will involve building leverage against China and possibly considering more active a role in supporting the Tibetan movement. It will involve deepening partnerships with the United States as well as members of Quad, the grouping which includes Japan and Australia. It will also include building up domestic strengths. India will have to be stronger economically at the moment it stares at the possibility of a recession in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic to be able to build the economic resources to be able to take on China. It will also involve 
acting on the long-delayed processes of military modernization. It is only when India is able to build domestic strength, it is able to build international partnerships, it is able to reduce its economic dependence on China, and it is able to ensure that its traditional sphere of influence, which is the South Asian region, continues to have governments in their different capitals which are friendly to India, that India will be able to stop and contain Chinese power. The Galwan incident has the potential to transform not only India-China ties, but the entire politics of the Himalayan region, as well as global geopolitics. It represents Chinese aggression, and it will be a test of India's diplomacy as well as military resolve. This brings us to the end of this edition of Q&A. If you have any questions, please do send it to us. If you have any ideas, please do throw it at us at podcasts at hindustantimes.com. Please follow us on all our social media handles, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at HD Smartcasts. Stay safe and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.